Hello and welcome. It's David Shirley from Irish Funds. We have a very topical podcast for you this week. With the easing of pandemic restrictions, companies are increasingly making the move towards at least a partial return to office-based work. This episode is taken from a webinar we held on the 30th of September and features industry leaders sharing their experiences to date in planning for a smooth return to the office, raising some key operational challenges they're seeing and also sharing some insights on potential technology innovations to assist with the process. We have an excellent line of speakers, including Karen Killalay, who's head of employment team with Maples Group, Audrey O'Mahony, who's managing director, talent and organization consulting with Accenture, Michael Bly, who's Chief Risk Officer at LGM Ireland, and Kieran O'Hare, who's Head of Human Resources at Northern Trust. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and check back soon for more great content. Hello, everybody. My name is Michelle Spencer. I'd like to welcome you to this Irish Funds Talent and Skills Development Working Group webinar. Some housekeeping first. This webinar will last for approximately 40 minutes. It will be recorded and shall be available to members on the Irish Funds member portal and also on our podcast channel. And in the interest of time, you, should, you shall be muted for the webinar. Please feel free, though, to submit questions using, using the questions box you should see on your control panel. And we will get, get to these um, at the closing Q&A session. There will also be a brief survey upon exiting if you could um, complete for Irish Funds, please. So to the webinar. This is a wonderful and timely opportunity for this very experienced panel of speakers to share their insights on the operational and practical challenges and solutions they're seeing in planning for a smooth return to office, especially during this transition phase, and also to share some guidance on employment questions that are coming up. Our panel today consists of Kieran O'Hare, Northern Trust, our moderator, and our panelists, Michael Bly from Legal and General, League LGM, Audrey Mahoney from Accenture, and Karen Killalay from Maples. So over to you, Kieran. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Hello, everyone. Um, I just also like to welcome our, our panelists and yourselves. I think we're all looking forward to an interesting and informative uh, discussion. Um, thinking about this this event last night, I think it's it's really easy to overlook and to forget that so much of what we've dealt with over the last 18 months and, and I guess much of what we will be dealing with in the next 18 months is, is new and uncharted territory for individual employees, but also companies. So managing the process of returning staff to offices 18 months or so after telling almost all of them to work from home is something we're all approaching new. Um, and we're all on this journey together. So we'll all be learning together how best to deal with this situation and the various demands that I'm sure will emerge in the coming months. An important part of that learning, I think, is understanding what other companies are doing, and that way we can pick up bits and pieces that might fit our own particular working environments. And to that end, I'm delighted to be uh, asking Michael the opening question. And Michael, I'll get straight to the point with this one. How is your company approaching returning to the offices in Ireland? Thanks, Kieran. Um, I, mean, I think I, I think the first thing um, that, that we had to think about um, was actually to, to look at the last eighteen months, and I, and I think it would be very easy to to just to focus on on, on getting our people and our team back back into the office. But, but I think we have to look back over the experience of the last eighteen months and really look at look at the journey we our company, but you know all, all the companies have been on so far. Um, and look at what's worked well and what hasn't worked well, uh, and really talk to, to to all of our people right across the organization in a lot of different 
jurisdictions and countries around the world. So, you know, we all welcomed greater flexibility. We welcomed time with family. We welcomed, um, you know, zero commute. Um, and um, I think we we recognise that that um, some activities that, that 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 we perform in our day to day jobs, and um, some of those activities actually work quite well. Um, you know, um, when you when you're working from home, whether it's a focused or, or an activity that you need a bit of space and time to work on it yourself. And um, so that that kind of activity often does work well at home. And um, but I think we we also kind of recognised, and, and, and this is what we this was heard from from our from our from our team. Um, you know, creativity, collaboration, um, those kinds of things often do benefit from 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 kind of being in the office or in an environment where where you're with with people. Um, and I think we learned the value of of human connections through the absence of them. And um, we learned the value of having a variety of interactions and a variety of ways of interacting with with people. Um, and, and I think we missed the social side of the workplace as well. So I think you know the first step for us in planning the return to office was to look back and I suppose um, you know talk to um, talk to our people and, and reflect on, on kind of what what has and hasn't worked well over the last um, the last eighteen months now. And as we listened to, to staff and 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 listened to the insights that they gained, and the clear message was that 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 you know we asked them how do they want to work going forward and. The clear message was that they want a balance, and they want a hybrid approach. They want some time to work at home, but but they want to be able to come into the office as well. And um, and you know the question then becomes, well, what 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 is what is a hybrid approach, and, and what does that mean? And I think you know we're all everyone on the on on the, on the webinar today probably has a slight different variation of what what hybrid working means, and there are different approaches across different organisations, but. Um, I guess we're trying to ensure that you know we listen, listen to our team, and reflect on, on what they're asking us for, um, and then try and try and uh, implement you know a new way and a new model of working, um, in a kind of very kind of thoughtful, slow and controlled manner over the next really over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. To be honest, um, I think you know your question um, in terms of how we're approaching the return to office. I think there's an immediate um, date and time in people's minds at the moment, which is kind of October 22nd here in Ireland. Um, and people are wondering what's going to happen at that date. But I think there's a longer term uh, piece of, of, of planning that needs to happen here across, you know, in, in everyone's organisation and to ensure that, you know, we want people to come back and feel that they're safe going back to the office. But we want to help them understand that, you know, this new hybrid way of working um, it, it is a change and it will require um, some adaptations um, kind of across three pillars really um, you know our people as, as I've talked about it first and listening to them um, the physical infrastructure and kind of the technology side of it I think is, is another um, and then and then looking at um, the kind of the more the, the support and the guidance that we can provide to people so I suppose they're the kind of three pillars that we've been looking at and working on um, and I suppose we believe the approach we've settled on, which is effectively a 50-50 type approach, um, we, we think that will give the right of balance between meeting what our employees and our people have asked for, but also ensuring we meet um, you know, that the company's needs needs are met. Um, so that's, I suppose, at a high level, you know, practically, what does, that, what, does this, what does some of that mean? 
um, there are changes to physical office space, um, more collaboration areas, more quiet areas as well, um, because we recognize that um, some people have a preference to come into the office perhaps more than, than that 50-50 split. Um, and we do need space for people to work, you know, in a quiet space for people to work in the office. So looking at the physical infrastructure in the office, um, looking at how, particularly in the near term, uh, as this settles down, looking at, um, and I suppose I'm reflecting the fact that social distancing is still still requirement here in Ireland, certainly, um, you know, how do we get teams together, given those restrictions, and start to try and do that? And then how do we get cross-team collaboration, giving, given kind of physical, um, potential physical um, limitations in the office? And um, everyone will, will have a different office space and different real estate across the organisation. Um, in, in our case, um, you know, we, the team has grown during the COVID period. So we, we now don't have enough space in the office to get the entire team in at the same time because because the team has continued to grow over the last 18 months. So so there's challenges and logistical challenges was of working at how you get teams um, in to, to work, collaborate together within their own team, but also then how do you um, encourage cross-team collaboration? Um, there's some of the practical challenges we're talking about. Um, we want to ensure that I suppose our employees are supported, so clear communication, regular communication, you know, our people really want to know what, what's kind of happening next. And um, so it's about getting kind of timely information out to them, sharing our plans with them. Um, but, but, but I suppose recognizing that, um, that you know, the plans do need to unlikely will flex over the next 18 months, I think is probably the best thing. Um, and, and I'm trying to ensure consistency as well, I think, across, right across the entire group. I think, um, you know, there's a top-down message. I think there's a consistent approach across the group so that certain groups or certain people don't feel they're being treated differently, but then allowing that to flex, you know, where, where a variation to, 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 to the approach is warranted. So that, that's there's some of the things we've, we've, we've been thinking about. And Michael, have you have you been able to draw on any of the experiences that uh, from other jurisdictions? I know that Elgin is a, is a you know operates in many other jurisdictions. How, you know, and, and my guess is that they're all going at different paces around this return to office and bringing people back in. Any experiences or things that you could draw on, or any similarities that you've come across from an Irish perspective? Yeah, I think I think it's it's a really really good question because I think um, we're we're in a slightly fortunate position. Um, that other jurisdictions um, are moving quicker than, than, than we are, um, so so we can learn from that, which is which is really helpful. Um, so our main our main um, offices and the bulk of our employees are, are in the UK, and in the UK, um, uh, you know, they're probably a couple of months ahead of us and have been probably at every step throughout throughout this journey. Um, at the moment, in our offices in London, um, you know. Uh, some of the additional um, you know, safety and precautionary measures that we have still in our workplaces here in Ireland, the, 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 the hand sanitizers, the, the social distance, you know, uh, the, the markings uh, and one-way systems through our offices. Um, a lot of those have now been removed in, in offices in the UK um, and more and more employees have been encouraged to come back. So, um, 
so 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 we 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 have an opportunity here because we're two or three months behind that as well to see how how that works how employees react to that how they actually use the new spaces that that have been put in place um how, how, how those collaboration spaces work do they work effectively and in the way that we that we hope they will work um will people engage with that so we have an opportunity there to to learn from what happens in the uk and then and, and then try and apply any lessons learned here in Ireland because the base base certainly is different. And then if we look to the US, um, you know, they're they're probably further ahead again. Um, and the, and there's this this different um there's different requirements and different um different things are being asked of, of our of our team in the US due to you know just different rules and regulations over there. Um and um as an example, um, you know, people who are unvaccinated in the US um, will have to wear a mask around the office. Um, I don't think that's something that will be contemplated um, here um, in, in, in Ireland. And it's not been contemplated in the UK either, just as a different a different uh, legal hereditary environment. And uh, so, so, you know, there are differences like that. And again, it's looking at how, how um, in those jurisdictions where, where where your your organisation is slightly ahead of where we are here in Ireland, what can we learn, and, and how do we adapt um, our approach to, 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 to kind of to, to, to kind of suit suit the local requirements? And I think that's really the key. Is um, this is going to be an evolution, and, and we've got to be flexible. I think there's a there's a there's an approach that we've all settled on, and that we think will work and will be sustainable in the longer term. But but I think we have to recognise that that's likely to, to flex over over the next kind of year and a half. Absolutely. And then just, I guess, quickly looking at the other side, I mean, you mentioned 50-50 hybrid working arrangement, which, and you're absolutely right, hybrid means one thing to one company and something else to another company. But the flip side of kind of being in in the office 50% of the time is that you're at home 50% of the time. Are are LGM doing anything around, you know, providing, uh, you know, or thinking about how to provide an appropriate place to work from at, at, at home? Are they taking any, any 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 steps around that, reviewing the home working space or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're um, and again, uh, now that we're, you know, moving to a permanent hybrid working model from what was at the start, we all felt was temporary and then it kind of went on longer and longer and temporary. Has now turned to permanent. I think I think companies, you know, do have to consider consider that we're we're I suppose we we our obligations before COVID as an employer, um, you know, haven't changed. So it's about it's about looking at you know understanding those obligations as an employer to to our staff and and, and, and trying to understand how how those obligations now apply, given staff will be will be working fifty percent at home. Um, we we we. We're probably approaching this kind of on a kind of a looking at a few things. We're looking at potential technology solutions to, to help with this, but but in the near term, um, we're going to be looking at this at a case by case basis. Um, and um, we um, have guidelines, and we have um, communicated guidelines to to our teams in terms of how they should try and set up their workspace. I think we have to recognise that that everyone's workspace at home will be very, very different. Um, and um, but, 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 but it's to try to provide them with the information to allow them to, to, to set up in the best way possible that, that works for them. 
Um, if there are individual needs, we're, we're looking at those on a case by case basis, and we will try and 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 and, and you know meet any any additional needs that that individual and um, staff members have. So I think there's a there's a short term thing that we're looking at, but I think there's a broader question longer term uh, that that employers will need to consider um, with with staff now working 50% or more more at home on an ongoing basis. Absolutely, Michael. Thanks. Thanks for your insight. I'm, if it's okay, I'm going to move the, the, you know, and obviously some practical considerations that you've been talking about um, with companies coming back to offices. I'm going to move the conversation on to Audrey next. Who um, I think we can we can maybe look at some of the more strategic or longer term issues that that uh, might come up as we embark on on the next phase of this pandemic journey. And, and Audrey, specifically, I mean, from your experience. How are, how are employers approaching return to offices? And I'm thinking about things like um, using it as an opportunity to retain top talent or enhance uh, their staff's professional development. What are you what are you experiencing and hearing from your from your clients? Um, well, good morning, everyone, and good morning, Kieran. I think I mean definitely the conversation that we're having with our clients. I think is mirroring everything that we've heard Michael talk about. Um, you know, and I, and I actually think I go into that. It also mirrors, I think, what we're dealing with in Accenture ourselves. Obviously, you know, we're a very big employer with diverse business. You know, we're navigating this landscape as well. Um, <clears throat> I think there's something really important um, when we talk to our clients about contextualizing this conversation. I think there is, sorry, I have a bit of a frog in my throat, <clears> throat> which is difficult. I think there is sort of an inclination, uh, which is really understandable, you, you know, to look at getting back and getting back safely. But I think really what we are doing right now is choosing how we are going to collectively use this moment to create the future of work and to accelerate ourselves, you know, to a better future where across so many dimensions, our lives are going to be enhanced. I mean, I, I sort of think that's the big prize. And um, I think when you think about that, you know, COVID spurred, if you like, one of the biggest splurges in technology investment ever. You know, uh, if you look at the spend in technology last year in organizations alone, $4.2 trillion spent in 2021. And that's set to increase over the next year. And <clears throat> technology spend, and I would know this because it's a big part of my job, is it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, companies are having to rearrange their organizations, rearrange their business models to give them the agility to serve their customers differently. And I think the ongoing kind of acceleration of organizational change is going to continue. And then we have to sort of realize that hybrid working is happening across that. It's happening across this really, really significant, intense kind of environment of change. And I think then when you look at that, particularly actually in a financial services context, particularly in an Irish market landscape, I think where we, you know, where we are, where we're experiencing ferocious competition for talent, um, and most of us, I think, no doubt on this call, really experiencing the significant skills shortages that we have now in an Irish context. I think what this now means for leaders is that as we are examining the return to office questions, I think it means asking ourselves a lot of big other questions that are around talent and sort of being mindful that there are bigger strategic levers at play. So for me, I think, you know, when we're talking to our clients and even internally the conversations that we're having in Accenture around 
how we design this process or experience, I think what we're trying to ask ourselves is, well, you know, will our new proposition, will it be very attractive and it, will it be a lever for retention or, uh, or worse, sort of a, a lever for attrition? I think thinking about how do I engage my workforce and bring them along this journey so that actually they have a heightened sense of commitment and a heightened sense of belonging to our organisation. And I think how do we do that in a way that really fosters trust because we know that trust and a high level of trust in an organization is such a crucial ingredient now for change at large. You know, it's very hard to make people change in any way if you don't have high trust. And I think this bringing people back and bringing people through this journey does create an opportunity to either build trust or potentially erode it. And I think that's a really significant factor at play. I think the other questions is, you know, how do we design this in a way so that we do actually get organizational efficiency? You know, uh, we're sort of talking in Accenture about design principles around this to say, well, we'll have gotten it wrong if we're bringing people back to the office to sit there for the day. Do you know what I mean? What's the efficiency in that? And actually, but equally, you know, is it reasonable to think that you can bring people back and that they just collaborate for the day? How do you orchestrate the organization around that and do that at scale? I mean, particularly when most organizations are pretty diverse and pretty complex you know i think the other question which is very front of mind needs to be how do we support leaders for this new world and i don't just think it's leaders at the top of an organization i think the culture makers in an organization are typically your middle managers and your senior managers and so how are we equipping them with the right support and the right skills to lead the workforce now through this sort of um you know ambiguous time and, and and through this time i think you use that i love that word of evolution michael i think it is an evolution i think it's we're now entering into an era which is kind of nerve-wracking for people because it's experimental in many ways bringing everyone to remote working was actually easier because there was no choice now organizations have lots of choice they've got priority calls to make you know that that just i think brings an inherent complexity to the conversation and then i think finally you know how are we also using this moment to address reskilling because all of the change that is happening in organizations including even the very nature of how work gets done you know that digital transformation around how we complete tasks i think that is putting a burden on employers a burden that has to be felt by employers when you think about the skills shortage that we have how are we ensuring that we're sort of looking in the round at our talent strategy and looking at the reskilling agenda as well equipping people with, with coming back to work so for me i think it's really it's, it's, it's obviously very necessary that we have the conversation about tactically returning people back to the office and doing that in a post-COVID world that has, you know, all sorts of new requirements around it from a safety perspective, a social distancing perspective, everything that we heard Michael talk about. I think that's key, but I think Michael made that point. We, we also cannot lose sight of, 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 of the context in terms of which we're doing it, of how we're sort of trying to future-proof ourselves a little bit. And so how do we think about you know, the degree to which, how well we do this, how is this setting us up for, you know, really having a high performing workforce and a workforce that really wants to be in this organization. I, I, I think that's a huge part of the examination here for sure. Mm. And Audrey, is there any particular guidance? I mean, obviously you, you, you touched on technology a little bit there. Um, any particular guidance or any any innovation that that you're that you're becoming aware of or issues that look out for 
from a technology perspective whenever whenever companies are planning returning to office? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the technology piece is, you know, there's all sorts of new technologies emerging, I think, on the back of our experience, which um, absolutely can be leveraged and harnessed for good here. Um, you know, I think they, 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 they're across different spectrums. Right? I think workforce readiness and, you know, practically bringing people back to the office, I think that has to actually be a good experience. Um, we're using the expression, I've heard it now a few times, around earn the commute. And I think for people to come back and to, uh, to enjoy hybrid working, I think it has to feel quite seamless and it has to feel relatively easy to come in and out of the office. And I think the office experience also has to be, you know, purposeful. And so I think thinking about, you know, there's lots of technologies which are quite interesting around, um, you know, contactless entry points, um, you know, making navigating the office very easy. So a lot of those that are slightly more, say, hygiene factors around um, how we bring people back in a way that is completely appropriate for our post-COVID world, because we've such a heightened awareness of, uh, you know, the standards of health and needing to maintain them in our organization. So, you know, lots of interesting companies now that are ProxyClick is one where you can, you know, you use a QR code and it basically allows you to navigate an entire building without touching anything and kind of quite remarkable. Um, right down to actually coffee machines. Lavazza, as a well-known coffee brand, have come out to sort of made it possible for you to make a cup of coffee effectively from your phone. You don't have to touch the machine. Um, equally, we're seeing an emergence of technologies around being able to um, <clears throat> use artificial intelligence in a building to understand where people are and their proximity to it. So apps like dentist density or tourists which are able to sort of um give you a sense of your ability to maintain social social distancing and even things like you know temperature screening so i i think there's a lot of technology that is really um useful and powerful in terms of bringing people back in on a sustained basis and i think that's interesting for a lot of organizations that are really thinking about the practicalities of that i think obviously then technology um there, there's, there's tech there's, there's the technology around how we work. Um, in Accenture, we're now experimenting with virtual reality. And we're looking at, <clears throat> if you're at home, what is the hardware that we can introduce that would actually completely enhance your at-home experience? I mean, I think all of us would be familiar with the feeling that when you're on a Teams call or a Zoom call, or you're using one of those meeting applications, of it just being delayed, of it being slightly more unnatural, you're not making eye contact, you know, the prompts, for human engagement aren't there. I think we should expect and actually really hope for big improvements around that so that we can make that feeling of people being in the office in a room together, plus a number of people virtually dialing in, that, that I think for hybrid working to be successful, that has to be a good experience for everybody. And I think that feels, I think that's something that people are um, have a question mark over. The, the sustainability of that way of working, I think, is going to really be benefited, I think, in terms of technology. Um, and I think also, you know, looking at more intelligent hardware um, that you know, seamlessly allows you to kind of um, create that network, if you like, between office and home. I think, I think we're going to see more of that. And then I think there's also just that application, as I said, of applied intelligence in certain apps. Like, so, for instance, we do a lot of collaboration work, as you'd expect in Accenture, you know, design thinking and that, you know, using, you know, technologies like whiteboard, where we're seeing a real enhancement around things like, you know, taking, you know, 
what's been established or drawn out on a whiteboard and you know immediately converting that into a PowerPoint. So apps like Hoodly, which are making our working lives in a digital context just a lot more easy. So, so I do think there's a, there's a really significant uh, role for technology. But equally, I would, I would not lose sight of the importance of engaging your people in a really meaningful way around this and, and, and really thinking about how do I make sure that how my people feel during this experience it is going to be the determining factor in whether or not they, they choose to stay. Can I get a workforce that feels better about this, that feels better about our, ourselves, us as an employer? I think, and how you engage your people, how we communicate with them, how we listen to them, how we iterate the plans around their need. I think that's going to be a really, um, I think that's a really healthy way for employers to kind of continue to design and to be open to the fact that we might not get everything right as leaders and let's listen to our people and continue to iterate. Uh, that would certainly be a principle that I would, I, we would be talking to our clients about, about adopting. I think it's a really interesting uh, debate actually because obviously you want people to feel comfortable and happy to come back in but you also want them to feel comfortable and happy about, about working remotely and part of, part of that will be you know, we, we all remember, I'm sure we've all been part of being in meetings where there's a number of people on a conference line or whatever, and they, they just don't get a look in because people within the room are talking. So how the technology evolves around that, I think is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and I should say here, I mean, one of yeah. the things that is, I'm, I'm part of a number of different working groups on this, is the DNI agenda here. When I when I speak to our clients, actually, front of mind is, is return to office. The other thing that's huge, it's sustainability and responsible leadership. And I think this is a moment for responsible leadership. I think thinking about an inclusive workforce in the round and really how we cater for the needs of our employees right across society. I, I, I just I think that there's a moment for this too. And I think being alive to some of the risks that you talked about there about being unseen, um, I, I think is, 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 is absolutely um, something that needs to be focused on, managed, measured. Um, as part of this, yeah. That's great. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this again, Audrey, at, 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 at some point, but talking about measurement and, and uh, I mean, overarching all of this is clearly our external legal uh, environment and, and um, Karen is the is, is, is the expert on, on that. Karen, I think one of the, some of the kind of questions that, that we are dealing with are particularly around, you know, what companies will do wrong or what they should or shouldn't do as they, as they prepare to bring people back in to the, to the offices, are there are there three or four key things that, in your view, employers really need to get right when they're preparing for a large scale and smooth return to offices? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kieran, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, there are. I mean, just giving a little bit of thought to this um, last night. I suppose there are so many different work streams. And it's probably helpful maybe to prioritize, I guess, the short term uh, measures and then maybe more medium term measures. And there's quite a lot of um, sort of uh, interweaving with what both Michael and Audrey have just spoken about. So I would say in the short term, no one is going to be surprised to learn that they're probably certainly from my perspective, probably three things to really try to get right. And if you get these right, then I think that's a really strong start for any employer. So the first one, and as I say, it almost goes without saying, is around safety and workplace safety. And what I would really encourage people to do 
is be familiar with the revised protocol. Again, it almost goes without saying, but be familiar with the uh, revised roadmap and do consult the Health and Safety Authority website. They have really fantastic resources in the form of employer checklists and all of that. So that will sort of help you to get the, you know, the risk assessments up and running, make sure they're expert led, just make sure that every workspace, every communal space um, is, is the subject of your risk assessment. Every aspect of how you work is assessed, you know, your face-to-face -face meetings, your, uh, if you haven't quite got the Lavazza technology yet, uh, you know, the congregations around the coffee machine, the business travel, interacting with contractors, all of that, it all comes under the basket of safety that's obviously the point of departure so that's going to be our first priority i think the other two pieces that i'd focus on in the short term and again this is kind of based off i suppose interaction with a lot of clients at the moment who are who, who are in the sort of advanced planning stages i think the pace of return is really key and michael touched on this at the outset and what I mean by the pace of return is just to bear in mind that between now and the 22nd of October what the public health guidance says is the return has to be on a phased and staggered basis for specific business reasons. Okay, so that's a pretty gradual pace. Um, and even from the 22nd of October, like the pace is not accelerating very significantly at that point. Uh, and the public health guidance now is that the return post 22nd of October will also be phased and cautious and will be on a basis that's appropriate to each sector. Okay, so why is that important? I just think it's an important guiding principle because there is going to be hesitancy around returning to work. People are going to be nervous about jumping on public transport, nervous about sharing offices and all of that sort of good stuff. So I think uh, it, it's important to bear that in mind in the short term that this is very much a, a, a phased and gradual approach. And then the third piece, I think, uh, in, in the short term, um, and this is touching on, on what Audrey has just spoken about, is, is about sort of, I, I guess, trust and communication. So it is really important, and again, it almost goes without saying, but there's no harm in reinforcing it, that it is really important to have regular, consistent and clear messaging to employees, um, uh, mostly about the prevention and control measures which each business will have in place and which are obviously going to evolve. There's a very strong emphasis in the roadmap and the protocol on forging a sort of shared and collaborative approach uh, between employers and workers in relation to how the workplace evolves and how safety is maintained and all of that. So, for example, as a very basic uh, piece of guidance, you know, make sure you have your lead worker representative in place, make sure that lead worker representative is, is resourced and listened to and, and where possible has a couple of other worker reps supporting um, that important work. So I guess that they're the three key things in the short term. In the medium term, again, very much picking up on the themes that Audrey and, and Michael are seeing in, in their own businesses and in their own work with their own clients. Um, I think in the medium term, I completely agree with Audrey. The, the priority is going to be avoiding that sort of two-tier hierarchy. Um, so between those, I guess, who would gravitate more towards remote working and those who will be more visible because they may have a bias for on-site working. So it may not come to pass, but we could, see that those, for example, um, with caring responsibilities in whatever form may find it easier to sort of work remotely. Um, and as such, there's a potential knock-on effect in terms of career progression and, and compensation. Um, so I suppose one thing that strikes me about this particular constituency and sector that, that we all operate in is, you know, ESG is a really important part of how we do business. Um, and many businesses will have fairly 
painstakingly constructed ESG programs. And we don't want to erode that, and in particular, as it relates to diversity and inclusion. So we, we will absolutely have to keep an eye on that over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, the second piece then in terms of the second and final piece, I think, in terms of medium term priorities or what we need to get right is about minding mental health. Um, so again, I guess it's sort of pursuing the theme of ESG and, and making sure that we have appropriately governed um, and, and functional workplaces. I think it, it seems to be widely accepted that the pandemic has taken a really serious toll on mental health and well-being. And just having a look at a couple of pieces last night about this, I mean, some studies that are publicly available are showing three to fourfold increases in the rate of depressive illnesses amongst the adult population. So that's very, very significant compared to pre-pandemic times. So my own sense of it is that into 2022 and 2023, these may well be the years when I guess we're challenged to take better care of the well-being and mental health of our workers. Um, so what does that mean in practice? Well, it means things like, you know, devising a, a good workable policy around obviously hybrid work and remote work and the remote working conditions, managing working hours, putting in place a meaningful right to disconnect protocol, you know, one that works for your business. Um, I, so I, I think those are probably the, the critical things, Kieran, to, to get right in the short and medium term. And you mentioned you mentioned, Karen, uh, in your in your response there about a gradual pace of return, which which is interesting. I mean, if someone if someone refuses to attend the office and wants to work fully remotely, what what yeah. what happens then? Yeah, a very, very common theme, as you can imagine. Um, OK, so the first step really in that scenario, Kieran, is to understand like, what is the difficulty? Why is the employee reluctant to return? Is it a medical reason, um, for example? So uh, t take, for example, maybe an employee who is, um, you know, an older employee who is over 60. Um, they would fall into what is termed a high risk category. So that might be a very justifiable reason for being reluctant in the short term to return. High risk category employees also includes lots of other vulnerabilities. So, for example, anybody it could be a much younger person, but who's recovered from certain cancers in the past five years or who is currently managing a chronic condition. You know, it can be any number of reasons. And so I, I suppose my recommendation would be that if that is the case and it's sort of a, a genuinely held um, reluctance based on a medical condition, then just as any employer would with any other medical vulnerability with its employees, it will need to be managed. Um, and the recommendation is that you really sit down, you, you consult, you collaborate, you try to agree a path forward. You have to understand the root causes. Um, and and it, may will be, it may well be the case that that employee is simply not going to be on site for the foreseeable future. Um, if you find it sort of a, an intractable situation, it may be necessary to get medical advice and bring in that sort of medical expertise to, to get proper, clear guidance on, on how to accommodate that person. So I guess the guiding principles for this are understanding what the issue is um, dealing with it if it is a medical uh, or, you know, a sort of a reluctance attached to a medical condition in the appropriate manner. And if it's for another reason, such as, for example, you know, somebody has has bought a family home or has bought a property, you know, far outside of, of where the office is located, that's a different issue. Um, and that is an issue, again, which we would recommend is, is dealt with uh, gradually on a phased basis. 
um, and based off what, what the organization needs from the employee. Like the bottom line is many contracts of employment uh, will already stipulate that the office location is the contractual uh, work location and, and that remains the case, that has endured, that hasn't changed. But I do find that having that sort of legal point in your back pocket, while it's helpful, it's not going to solve the issue. The issue will be solved through uh, engagement uh, and discussion. That's great. I actually have a feeling, Karen, that a few of us on this call will be calling you at some point in the coming months and your colleagues and Mabel's to, to discuss some of these issues, because I think it is a little bit of a minefield as we as we kind of gradually, as you say, bring people back in and 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 find out what's been going on in their lives that we maybe wouldn't know over the last 18 months or so. I think it's going to be very interesting. So you're you're going to be busy. Look, in, 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 in the interest of time, and I, I should just remind people, if, if they do, have, if you have questions, please do put them in the, in the uh, I think it's the chat box that, that you have there. There are a couple of questions that I just want to, want to get through uh, quickly, and then we'll see if there's any more. I know we're running out of time. Um, one question is, I guess this is this is for you again, Karen. Can companies mandate that staff are vaccinated before they come back into the office? Yeah, a good question. And again, a, a, a tricky one. I suspect probably because there's been a lot of talk about this in the media, people are probably familiar with the principles, but maybe let's just take it step back and consider some of the principles around vaccination. Short answer is no. Okay, and I know in, in other jurisdictions, Michael has mentioned the, the different sort of regulations and rules that apply in the US. In other European jurisdictions, for example, uh, there have been steps taken to sort of mandate vaccination before returning to the workplace. It's, it's not happening here. I, I'd be really surprised if it does happen here. Um, so, you know, first of all, an employee can't be compelled to be vaccinated. They can't be compelled to communicate whether they have been vaccinated or not. And Thirdly, vaccination is, while it's described as a preventative measure in the current uh, public health guidance, it's not a requirement, it's not a prerequisite. It, it really falls in the category of what's termed a useful supplement to existing prevention and control measures. Um, so, um, therefore, there's not really a basis in the public health guidance for, for uh, directing employees to either stay away or to uh, come into the office based on their, their vaccination status. Um, you know, I think it's it's important also just to bear in mind all employees are protected from penalisation uh, in relation to raising health and safety issues. So we do need to just take care. Um, and if someone is is raising an issue about, for example, not wanting to sit beside an unvaccinated worker, which is a really, really common theme that we are seeing, um, you know, that needs to be dealt with appropriately. Um, and, and equally, an employee who is electing not to be vaccinated, they can't be stigmatised, they can't be isolated. There's just no basis in employment law for doing this. Um, so look, I think again, as I said earlier, the guiding principles here to try to listen, to engage, maybe allow some flexibility, look at maybe more creative solutions around staggered attendances, um, you know, shift rotations and having different teams on at different times as, as everybody gets back up to normal. But basically, vaccination status is, is never going to be a safe single determining factor as to whether somebody comes back to, to the office or not. So I, I'm not sure. I hope that answers the question. But long story short, it, it is all of the other stuff that we need to get right as opposed to focusing on vaccination status. Great, no, it did. Thank you. There's a, there's another question coming, Michael. Maybe I'll maybe I'll ask you this one um, in relation to the hybrid working arrangement that you that you, you kind of mentioned there. Um, do you foresee any particular longer term challenges in relation to a hybrid working arrangement? So when when people come back to the office, I'm guessing 
that that, that question relates to things like staff culture or collaboration. Do you, do you do you foresee any longer term issues if you've got people? I mean, the LGM arrangement is obviously fifty fifty, but in a, in this hybrid working arrangement, working from home and from the office. Yeah, I mean, I think Karen and Audrey kind of touched touched on 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 on, on probably some of the very longer term issues, and and it's 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 that. It's 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 that the potential for for kind of a two tier um, system or for want of a better description, but you know, uh, people who are in the office um, are, are working on, on something, and the potential for those who are not in on a particular at a particular time or particular day, for those to be caught forgotten, and then over over a kind of protracted period of time, that somehow, and those who just who, who for whatever reason end up spending more time um, working at home. Um, somehow um, are, are put at a disadvantage, um, likely unintentionally. But so I think that's that that that's certainly one thing that that, that we need to be careful about. Um, and I think you know when I, when I talked about the experience in, in the UK at the moment, you know where people the physical space has been, been altered and kind of you know Audrey touched on this. You know what are people coming into the office to do? Um, you know and it's not. To spend all day collaborating, you know, moving from one group to another, and um, so how how do we ensure that that um, I suppose kind of strategically thinking, you know, over the very long term, you know, we want to we want to make sure we get this right so that we retain kind of our position as 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 a place where people want to come to work and we can retain people. So so it's about figuring out, and I think there will be a bit of learning as we go. Kind of how exactly does 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 the, the, the changed office environment work, um, and, and kind of what doesn't work? And, and I think we've all got to be really open to adapting and to changing this as as as, as we go, um, because uh, as Audrey or Karen mentioned, it has to be seamless moving and out. You know, your your experience uh, as seamless as it as it can be. Uh, Otherwise, if one is more challenging than the other, then 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 someone people are potentially at a disadvantage. And that, I mean, I think even in culture, um, like I think we can't underestimate how big a cultural shift this is, um, and a real challenge for us all over the past eighteen months, particularly when everyone's at home, is how do you kind of maintain company culture when 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 people aren't seeing each other and are just interacting over over, over screens. Um, and a really big focus for us in, in, in trying to design our, our, our kind of model is, is 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 how do we ensure that we maintain um, our, 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 our company culture and the values that we have, but but how does that adapt and evolve as well to, to this new this new world, um, and it will have to adapt and evolve, um, and it's about using you know the opportunities where people are in the office, um, to to um, to you know, we actually reinforce company culture and our values, but but we have to figure out ways um, for that to happen when people are remote as well. And I'm not quite sure, you know, anyone's really cracked that piece of it yet. Um, but but this is a huge cultural shift. And the second in, in 18 months, the first, as as Audrey said, we have to do it. It's done. But this is is much more challenging. Okay, look, I, I actually think given we're, I'm just told we're six minutes over, that, that's probably a good place to leave it. I mean, a huge cultural shift that we're all experiencing both 18 months ago and that that's yet to come. Uh, can I just thank Karen, Audrey and Michael for their insights and guidance? Um, 
I, I, I have a feeling we'll be regrouping, regrouping on this regularly <laughs> in the future as we as we get through this uh, this this next eighteen months. But I actually find that really interesting. I'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions, but we are a few minutes over and conscious of everyone's time. Thank you very much to the panelists and thank you to everyone for listening in. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kieran. Bye bye. Thanks. Kieran. Thanks.